the utilities are going to see this massive spike in demand based on this transition to EVs that's coming over the next, you know, five years or so. We'll, we'll start to see it really accelerate. And we want to be prepared to serve them. And so our development services and our utility solar EPC services will really help the utilities replace the fossil fuels that'll be coming offline. I mean, I think in 10 years, I don't know if we'll be burning coal anymore. If, if we are, there won't be much of it. All that power needs to come from somewhere. And, and uh, we can build solar at a, at a very low rate for these utilities. And we want to be involved in that process. We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. The solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode 64, part of a special two-part series that we're doing on iSun with their CEO, Jeff Peck, and then, of course, their president, Daniel Deuce, which you'll hear on the next episode that's going to be coming out in just a couple days, but a very special two-part series with Mr. Peck, with Mr. Deuce, talking about iSun the 50 years that this company's been in business, starting out as a local electric contractor in Vermont, and here they are almost 50 years later, went public two years ago and are now one of the premier solar renewable powerhouses across the entire United States. It's a phenomenal story about what Mr. Peck and his team, including Mr. Deuce, have done to create one of the premier solar and renewable energy powerhouses in this country. But before we get to all that and that conversation, let's welcome to the program Miss Ann Niemer, the COO and co-founder of eRenewable, telling you exactly what it is we do here at eRenewable. Hi, Ann Niemer here, co-founder and COO of eRenewable. At eRenewable, we know everyone has sustainability needs and wants. We want to help you reach your ESG goal. Our goal is to bring technology to the sustainability space by hosting real-time online auctions for both buyers and sellers. Our electronic management tool helps streamline the RFP process. Whether you need to procure energy or find an off-taker for a renewable project, our platform will provide pricing efficiencies to your organization. Our other projects include solar or battery storage development, renewable natural gas or responsibly sourced gas, LED lighting, and HVAC efficiency upgrades, or unbundled RECs or RSG certificates, all helping our customers reach their sustainability goals and meeting their ESG needs. Please visit our website at eRenew.net or call us at 1-866-ERENEW1. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Thank you so much for that, Miss Ann Niemer. And, of course, you can find out more about the company over at eRenew.net. Give us a follow over at LinkedIn. And, of course, you can also follow us on the socials as well. You can follow our CEO and other co-founder, Mr. Mike Niemer, at Mike underscore Niemer. You can follow me at the Freddie D. And, of course, you can follow the company as well at eRenew2020. That's at eRenew 2020. All right, let's get down to the episode. Mr. Jeffrey Peck, CEO of iSun. Once again, they were the Peck Electric Company for a number of years. And of course, uh, they became a SPAC a few years back, back when nobody really knew what SPACs was. And of course, uh, Mr. Peck will dive into a little bit about that. Uh, but more importantly, just telling folks about what this company has done to stay ahead of the curve. And of course, they ventured into the solar business back in 2008 during the Great Recession. And here they are 13 years 
years later, gone public, and they, again, as I've said, are one of the premier solar and renewable energy companies in the entire United States of America. But they're going to talk a little bit about what they're looking at as far as EVs are concerned. Uh, again, talking about going public as well. The Kind of what's been the key to their success over these last 50 years, what it means to bring in an industry expert and veteran like a Daniel Deuce, and what is on the horizon for not just 2021, but what's ahead for 2022 and beyond. And of course, the question that had to be asked to a New Englander over these last 20 years, especially in light of what went down this past week, Brady versus Belichick, where does Mr. Peck stand? Great stuff from Mr. Peck. This is a must-listen-to conversation, not just about solar and renewables, but about how to run a successful business. So without further ado, please welcome Mr. Jeffrey Peck. company originated as Peck Electric, founded in 72, so almost 50 years of, of history in the business, uh, started by my father. And early on, uh, really, we enabled the important transitions you know, uh, and helping to accelerate technology. Uh, initially, in the late 70s, early 80s, we, we became involved in building out clean rooms for the semiconductor industry and semiconductor fabs, uh, really unique, complicated work. Starting in the late 70s through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 80s, we also started performing structured cabling, communications work, and eventually fiber optic work for the evolution of the, you know, com computer networking and technology there. And so we've always sort of been looking at how we can better serve our customers, how we can help adopt new technologies. And that's what eventually, you know, that sort of, uh, that, that being part of our DNA sort of led us to solar. 2009, we, uh, we pivoted and became involved in, in solar and quickly, you know, sort of dominated our space. Uh, we had a lot of experience in building large, fast-paced, complex construction projects. And we were quickly able to scale and take on a lot of projects and complete them on time with real quality work. And it differentiated us in the industry and uh, quickly dominated our space. There was periods throughout the, you know, two, 2014, 15, 16 timeframe where we were performing all of the big projects in Vermont or most of them, if not all, and had, were involved in one way or another on, you know, 60 to 70% of every solar project built in Vermont which led us to sort of, you know, the question of what's next. We're doing, you know, really great, meaningful work here. We're helping to transition uh, the world from dirty energy to clean energy. I mean, we believe today that, you know, clean renewable solar energy is the most important investment we can make. And we want to be involved in accelerating that process as much as we can. And so 2016, 17 timeframe, we started thinking about what was next. How do we expand? and had a lot of different opportunities and settled on uh, merging into a SPAC and becoming publicly listed. Now, you know, funny thing, June of 2019 uh, and leading up to that, SPACs wasn't all that popular. Now it's like the latest and hottest thing on Wall Street. And, uh, you know, I found, I found myself in New York talking to, to bankers and explaining what a SPAC was and describing it in you know, a special purpose acquisition company. And, and now, you know, I hop in an Uber and my Uber driver is giving me the latest and greatest SPAC tips. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> It's, 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 but again, to what we do, we were there a little bit early. We were there being innovative, looking at how do we grow? How do we impact the market that we want to uh, exist in? And that opportunity came before us and, and merged into it and uh, have gone through the full de-spacking process. So. Hey Jeff, I've got a question for you. In 16 and 17, when you're doing the solar work in Vermont, were you uh, the contractor that they hired to install it or did you actually develop the projects? Yeah, so so our strategy um, 
has been continues to be um, working with key development partners to help get projects uh, to the construction phase. So we'll help sometimes with design, we'll help with uh, budgeting and work with them to, uh, to, you know, to get their projects completed on time and, and on budget. And obviously with large uh, solar projects, there's a lot of moving parts to it. There's multiple level, levels of debt. There might be a separate asset owner. There'll be a land, separate landowner with lease. Uh, there may be separate off-taker agreements depending on the, the type of project. And of course, then there's tax equity and each one of these counterparties, uh, I'll have lawyers and want contracts done in a certain way. And one of the things that we've always brought to the table was uh, confidence in all of those counterparties that the project will be built right to stand the test of time and delivered on time and within the budget set forth. So being involved early on with the developers and, and working through the uh, design phase with them uh, helps eliminate, you know, change orders and finger pointing midway through the project. So we found a lot of partners that we work with throughout the industry and help construct their assets. And obviously we've, we made an acquisition this year of Oakwood Construction Services. And that is, that comes with the intellectual property there. And the team we, we, we brought on there has some design services as well. So now we're actually offering our services back to those design firms and say, well, how can we help with your overflow and how can we help you get those projects from an opportunity to ready to construct quicker. And so we put ourselves in a position where we want to continue to accelerate the adoption of solar, but also now in a way where we can help our counterparties move those projects faster through the process. Got it. So, so once you've now gone public, you see the evolution of your company to where you're actually the developer finding the off taker and the whole project is your soup to nuts, or do you think you'll stay more on the construction side of things for the time being? Well, our focus has been to meet our customer where they need us. And so if a customer comes to us with a project that's fully baked and wants us to build it, we're there. We we have that skill set. If they'd like us to be involved in the design and, and the, the development process, we can help them through that as well. If they, you know, if they want us to run the RFP to find tax equity and financing, we have experience in that. If if they'd like help with net meeting agreements and finding off takers, we can provide those services. So really we want to meet our customer in the place where they need us and provide them the services that are helpful in accelerating the transition to clean energy. It sounds like every step along the way, you guys have been one step ahead of what's going on business-wise. I mean, what what do you attribute that to? I mean, is that just from, you know, for, whether it's been your folks, obviously, you know, keeping, keeping an eye ahead of things, and obviously it took off and, you know, again, took off in 2008, 2009 with solar. What, how have you guys been able to stay ahead of the curve the way you have? I, I think it's our approach to business. Uh, the nice thing about running a business that's been around for 50 years that allows you to take a, a long-term approach. And that was, again, that was sort of, uh, you know, the way the company was founded. It was about building long-term relationships. I mean, my parents used to say, you know, find me a, find me a business that's not a people business and I don't want to be in it. And uh, so, you know, what we do is, is, is a people business. You have a lot of, you have employees, you have, you have customers that you work with and we want to develop long-term relationships with these customers. Uh, so that we can continue to serve them over and over again uh, throughout the years. And then we, I mean, we have customers that have been around for 40 years. So that's that's great that we can continue to serve them. In doing that, you've got to be looking ahead. You've got to be anticipating issues, changes, problems in the industry before they arise so that when they do, you have a solution for them. One of the things we've done in this in, in solar is, you know, we really feel like this transition to EVs is just going to 
change our energy markets considerably. And so we made an investment early on in a company called Amp Up, which then had some follow-on investors. Uh, Goodyear, I believe, was one of the follow-on investors that came on. And it's uh, it's software designed for uh, fleet operators in the EV sector. And so while there are not a lot of fleet operators currently, you know, your local plumbers and electricians and uh, delivery services and state and local governments haven't tra- necessarily transitioned at this point, most of them to electric vehicles. But what we know is that's coming. And we want to make sure that we have uh, the ability to provide them with those solutions. And so if you're a business and in three years, you decide you're transforming your fleet from ICE vehicles to, to EVs, we can come in and, and service that company 100%. We can provide them with solar canopies with an EV charging network backed up by software where they can manage their fleet. We uh, Once they transition, their, their gasoline bills will go down, however, they're going to see a, a big rise in their electric bill. So we can we can help them uh, put solar on the roof of their buildings or put solar in fields to offset their meters. Oftentimes, companies will own their real estate in a separate company than they own the, the operating assets. And so we can help them develop net meter agreements between organizations and make sure they've got the, the tax appetite. And if they if they don't have the tax appetite, we can find a tax equity investor to help them. And, and so because of our breadth of experience and, and our longevity, you know, we're looking ahead to see what are these businesses going to run into when they want to make this transition and how can we make that transition as easy for them as possible. And so part of part of our strategy has been recognizing that the transition to electric vehicles and the electrification of everything is going to change the energy markets considerably. And so we recently purchased, made an acquisition, Sun Common, a residential solar company that has a platform that we can build around. And uh, the reason we did that is we know that as people transition to EVs, they'll really just start to think about where's my energy coming from. And I've got this EV, I've gotten rid of the gasoline and the pollutants there. How can I now plug into clean renewable energy? And so naturally, as they're thinking about that, they're going to want to stabilize that cost, future-proof it. They're going to see their electric bills probably double. And and we can help them through that process by adding solar to their house and adding battery storage and adding an EV car charger and putting them on our network so they can charge anywhere. And all of those things that are going to be new and different and difficult, we can help consumers navigate that. Is going to be a, a differentiation of of when charges by when you're when you're charging your vehicle. It's going to be more expensive at peak hours, less expensive at night, right? And we can we can help them through all of that process, understand the energy markets, and really just continue to serve them. So every you know everything that we every decision we make and everything that we're doing is to, to try to be thinking ahead of where the energy markets may go. How do we continue to serve those customers and help them through that process so we can accelerate that adoption? That lifestyle of clean energy charging your house your car whatever ison's going to be able to take care of you from soup to nuts absolutely we, we, the approach that we take and sort of the, the why we're in business is to accelerate the adoption to clean renewable energy and it wasn't always clean renewable energy right prior to the advancement in solar we were we were still looking our, our business in our dna is to be innovative and to try to help accelerate technological improvements right now there's no greater cause there's no greater investment that can be made clean, renewable solar energy. And so, yeah, we approach the business from the point of view is how can we help accelerate that adoption and how can we best serve our customers who are going to want going to want to do that? So building a platform really that focuses on the transition to EVs and how it impacts each sector. So how it's going to impact the homeowner, every homeowner, you know, who has their car is going to have a job. How can we help where they work, have charging at their, at their offices, in their buildings for their fleets? 
that will now impact those commercial businesses, but also like the industrial size projects. I mean, in, the, in our industry, they call it CNI, commercial and industrial, but I really view it as two separate unique uh, segments. The industrial side of it is, is larger arrays, maybe up to 20, 50 megawatts that serve you know, microgrids for big companies that might do community solar projects, that might be investments uh, by the utilities. And so that's, a, that's a, a different market, but that market is gonna see increased demand based on this as well. There will be some homeowners who don't have uh, the ability to have solar on their house. Maybe they're a renter or maybe they're not gonna be there very long. Maybe the roof, they've got you know large trees in their yard, but they wanna have clean renewable energy. So we can build using our development assets internally and our utility division internally, we can build community solar assets that can allow those residential customers to access clean renewable energy. And of course, the utilities are gonna see this massive spike in demand based on this transition to EVs that's coming over the next you know five years or so. We'll, we'll start to see it really accelerate and we wanna be prepared to serve them. And so our development services and our utility solar EPC services will really help the utilities replace the fossil fuels that'll be coming offline. I mean, I think in 10 years, I don't know if we'll be burning coal anymore. If, if we are, there won't be much of it. All that power needs to come from somewhere and, and uh, we can build solar at a, at a very low rate for these utilities and we wanna be involved in that process. Jeff, how many states do you cover? Yeah, so so different segments cover different uh, territories. Uh, on our EV charging, solar canopy branded product side, we'll we'll go anywhere. On our commercial, residential, and industrial projects, we're touching about 13 or 14 states. We're throughout New England and mostly the East Coast. And then on our utility scale, we'll we'll go where the investments are being made. So there's projects in. Uh, we just announced we three projects that we'll be developing and constructing once they hit NTP in Alabama you know, 500-ish megawatts, 548 megawatts, I believe, total. And so we'll we'll be involved in projects there to develop them. Once they hit the construction phase, we'll, we'll build that project out as well. Are you fundamentally an electrician by trade? No, no, I'm not. A, I'm not a, my, my father was an electrician and I, and then my mother ran the company and we had uh, people involved in the trades and who were involved uh, and had that, that expertise. And I wasn't, I went to college and swore I'd never do this. And here I am. <laughs> so, um, Came into the business to help out a little bit and uh, fell in love with the people and the purpose and what we were doing and, uh, you know, wanted to continue on with it. So it was well, the, the reason I ask is because is and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, because I was talking to a young lady yesterday about, uh, you know, policy and, and um, you know, one of the things that, I, that folks tend to kind of get overlooked. But let me ask you this. So we know EVs are coming and obviously you guys are on the forefront of, of, of being able to help facilitate all this for the for, again, the, the mass that's coming. Where are we at, though, with the grid? And we keep hearing from folks that we've spoken to about, you know, how archaic the grid is, the changes that need to be made to it. I mean, you know, there's cyber threats that are potential there. So if we know that this we're, we're getting ready to see this influx of, of EV charging and, I, you know, we've talked to folks that, you know, their whole plan is to take people off the grid. Where are we at and what's what's ISUN doing as far as or what, what's kind of your thoughts on how do you fix the grid? And is ISUN going to help take people off the grid so that they can, you know, in the event of something like what happened, you know, whether it's Ida, Sandy, whatever. Whatever, they'll be able to charge what they need to, and maybe the grid won't be uh, as taxed as much as it's going to be if we're going to do the things that we're going to do with EVs. Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of complexity there. There's, there's regulated utilities and non-regulated utilities and different. Clearly, there's going to be massive infrastructure upgrades done to the grid. Uh, we're seeing it throughout the country in different areas. But also one of the things that's going to happen is there's going to be these uh, microgrids that are built throughout the country using battery storage. We 
we just awarded a project uh, in Tennessee that will build, uh, they're, they're calling it the nation's largest microgrid, a 25 megawatt project to service uh, some industrial parks. So I don't know if you recall back to the Y2K days in, in business, we used to get these uh, these letters from our insurance companies wanting to know how we were prepared for Y2K and what we were going to do to, if you know our computers stopped working and on all of those things. I think one of the things with the problems we've seen with the grids is insurance companies, if they, if they haven't started asking these, these big organizations already, they're going to ask, what's your resiliency plan? How do you plan to continue to operate your manufacturing business with all of these raw materials and all this leverage cost in place if the grid's down for an extended period of time? If, right? And so having resiliency and having power that can remain on when there's grid interruptions, I think will be increasingly important. We, you know, we've seen the recently, I think Ford announced an $11.4 billion investment in EVs and battery technology. You know, I think I, I liken this battery technology to what we saw in the semiconductor industry. And we were, we were heavily involved in, in build out of a, a lot of those fabs. It seemed, it seemed like back in the 80s and 90s, no sooner than we were done completing a project for, for a new semiconductor process, they were, you know, taking it all out and doing something bigger. And you, that progression of technology we'll see in the battery industry and as prices go down and capacity goes up, I think it'll make a big difference in resiliency and to companies to make sure that they continue to operate 24-7 regardless of what happens to the, to the grid. Kind of bugaboos about the re, you know renewable energy business is the you know speed at which transactions get done, right? Because oil and gas, I mean, everything's yesterday, today, uh, whereas with renewable energy, it seems like there's a bottleneck. It takes a little bit longer. What have you seen from the time you guys jumped into this thing in 08, 09 to where we're at now? And what would you like to see fixed or what could be what changes could be made to help expedite uh, transactions? Or in your mind, do you think it's a problem? I think we've seen some some friction in the industry, and oftentimes it's been bad players in the industry, right? People who don't complete projects on time or don't have the appropriate tax equity in place or have debt financing fall through. And so that's created uh, deal friction. As an industry matures, and the oil, obviously the oil and gas industry has been around a lot longer, uh, and they've I'm, I'm sure they struggled with these same issues. And so now that the renewable energy industry is going through that, there's growing pains. And as mistakes are made and things are learned from those improvements will be made and the and the process will go smoother and, and more seamlessly. And clearly, you know, when we're working with a counterparty who has done multiple transactions, the process is fast and speedy and easy. And and as new entrants come in, that's it's there's a little more friction in the process. So uh, I, I think it's just industry growth. I don't think it's unique to renewable energy or solar. I think it's when you have a fast growing new industry, you know, these things happen. And again, I view our role in this as like helping to accelerate that. And by being a steady, reliable counterparty, uh, we can help speed that process along. What's been the biggest boon to this industry or improvement that you've seen as an operator owner in the last 13 years? You know, like I I said about uh, battery technology and and semiconductor technology, we've seen the technological advances in the panels and uh, the production from the panels. I think that's been the biggest. It's helped drive costs down. There's been efficiencies built in in other areas, but I think that's the biggest that's the biggest item that I would say that has helped drive costs down so that it's more readily adoptable and makes financial sense. And really, no matter where in this country you're located, you can put in solar at a lower price than fossil fuel energy, and certainly in most places. And uh, so probably the, the technological advances and price declines in solar panels. I mean, are we going to start to see more and more American companies start to produce more solar panels? 
Yeah, I certainly hope so. It's a technology that uh, certainly America should invest in. You know, having them made in the United States would be would be great. You know, we deal mostly with panel manufacturers who are considered tier one financeable products. We'll see manufacturing go where they can produce the assets the most efficiently. Where'd you guys come up with the name iSun? So in, in January this year, we uh, so we originally Peck Electric. Public as the Peck company because we were building a platform that was much more than just an electric company. And we, we weren't quite sure. I knew we were building a solar energy platform and a renewable energy platform. We weren't quite sure where it went. And we came across a, a company that had a EV charging and solar carport and some other innovative products and made that acquisition. And uh, I thought, well, we, we should rebrand under ISON so that the market understands that we're a renewable energy company much more than uh, being a pet company would. It's a, a great local business, but when we're expanding and going nationwide, that local name isn't going to mean much as we go other places. And so as we're looking to build a brand, we wanted a brand that would stand the test of time and really show that we're focused on renewable energy. And, and uh, so, yeah, we, so we adopted the ISON name and, and rebranded under that. What's the lifespan of a solar panel, both commercial and residential? Yeah, I think the warranties on most of the solar panels are 30 years. Uh, life is around 40 years and it may be longer. Um, oh, so regardless, yeah. there's no real distinction between residential or commercial. No, they'll both they'll both last for they'll the both you last. Know, certainly for the life of somebody's house of the mortgage. Yeah, of <laughs> the, the mortgage. mortgage the yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. And, and what I'm, I'm taking from you is you seem like a very pragmatic guy, right? Like you don't seem uh, just from my my 45 minute uh, uh, Freudian you know breakdown here. You don't seem like you don't get too high, you don't get too low. You seem like a pretty level headed guy. You know, it says something about your character and just your overall ability, though, the fact that you knew in 09 that, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to bring on folks that know how to do this. You bring on a guy like a Daniel Deuce in 2020. Um, you know, what is it? You know, again, where did you what do you lean on as far as kind of your just your business acumen? Because some folks may have, yeah. have said the hell with it. We're going to go ahead and forge through with this. But you've been OK with bringing on people that, you know, are experts in what they do and helping grow what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, I think when you take the approach that we're here to serve the customer, right, and, and accelerate the adoption of these technologies, I'm fortunate enough to have such a long-term family history of this business that if we're going to make that step and do something different, I want to make sure we're doing it right. So as we enter the utility scale business, probably nobody more experienced and uh, more battle scars than solar than Daniel. And it was just a, a huge opportunity to bring him on board. And and so I, w I want the best and the brightest. I want to be able to I want to be able to go out to our customers and, and let them know that you know we can provide them with the solutions. And if, if there's a problem, we'll help solve it. I mean, every company that you talk to has a highlight reel, right? They'll all tell you about all the great things they've done. They all I've never seen a bad highlight reel, right? I want to be the company. I want to be the company and I want people around me that when things go bad and they always do. I mean, if you've been around for any period of time, things will go sideways. And I want people around me that can handle that and help solve those problems. I mean, I've been doing this long enough where I've been through enough uh, turmoil in the business, whether it's in a 9-11 or the financial crisis or, or what have you. And I knew there would be another one coming. I never thought it would be, you know, global pandemic in 2020, but we knew something would come. And so when you surround yourselves with people who who, uh, who are knowledgeable of the industry and who are calm and are there to solve problems and take that approach and build a, a business that'll stand the test of time. And I think that's what we that's what we have in ISON. We have a history and it's in our DNA of looking ahead, trying to be innovative, trying to think about the problems that are coming up, be ready to solve those for the customers. And when things go sideways, be a dependable counterparty who will solve those problems. Get you out here with this, Jeff. Two-part question. What worries you the most uh, as we go through this these kind of these uncharted waters? And what excites you the most? Well, I guess let's start with exciting. Uh, all of it's exciting. I mean, to be, to be involved in 
in the greatest transition of how we consume our energy since really since, you know, we got rid of the horse and buggy, right? I mean, like we're, this is an amazing time to be in business and to be around. And so that's what excites me. And, and we're doing great work. I mean, we're helping, we're using business to help solve the climate crisis, right? And so if I can contribute to that and the people that work for the company can help contribute to that, then that's great. It's fantastic. It's, it's, it's so much fun to be involved uh, in the industry and, and do great work. So things that worry me, obviously we're, we're in construction. I always worry about employees getting hurt, having to make the phone call to a loved one that somebody, you know, somebody had an accident on the job or something like that. So so we're always concerned about safety and we, we want to be providing a safe and, and, and great workplace. We want to be an employer of choice. So I, I worry about those things a little bit, you know, but really it was the Rumsfeld doctrine, right? It's not the things that you know or the things you don't know. It's the things that you don't know that you don't know, right? And so <laughs> I guess that, that those are the things that I probably worry about is, is what, and, and right, and maybe that's what makes us look ahead a little bit. It's like, what, what don't we know? What aren't we aware of? And how do we find, how do we try to limit the, those number of items so that we can be as as prepared for whatever's thrown at us. And so, yeah, I would say that's probably what worries me the most. Okay, I lied. One more question. Um, and I know you're in Vermont, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and lean. I'm going to go ahead and just make this assumption anyway. Uh, Brady or Belichick on Sunday night? <laughs> I have tickets. I'm going to the game. Uh, Brady. Brady. <laughs> you can't hate a guy who's, who's, who's been to 10 out of the last 20 Super Bowls and won seven of them. Thank you once again to Jeffrey Peck, CEO of iSun. Don't forget, you can catch all of the Green Insider episodes over at Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, eRenew.net, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen to us on Apple iTunes, we ask that you leave us a five-star rating. Why? Because we promise that you'll learn more about the renewable energy industry from listening to the podcast than you knew about it before you stopped by. And don't forget to check out part two of the iSun series with President Daniel Deuce of iSun coming out in just a couple days. This has been the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. Thanks for everybody that makes the show possible, and Mike, Al, and the entire eRenewable and Green Insider team. This has been the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier. Green.